0: What's up, podcast friends, and thank you for listening to the College Admissions Process Podcast. While analyzing the podcast data, I realized that many of the earlier episodes, some of which received the most overall downloads and are still extremely relevant today, are not being listened to as much as the newly released episodes. This is why I created the alphabetical list of colleges available on the podcast with the link to the related interview to the right of each school. Please use the alphabetical list as part of your college search which can be found in the show notes and on my website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. The alphabetical list serves as an on-demand virtual college fair with schools from throughout the country. It also emphasizes, for example, that episode 132 is no more or less important than episode 92. To highlight how valuable the alphabetical list is, I will release past episodes that receive the highest overall downloads on Wednesdays throughout the summer. Please share the alphabetical list with anyone you think that may benefit, as it has proven to be such a valuable tool for so many listeners. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Sam Torres, who's an admissions advisor at the University of Texas at Austin. Sam, how are you doing today? And thank you so much for being with us.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me, John. It is a lovely, probably 100 degree weather day out here in (laughs) Texas. So, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of the heat, but other than that, I'm doing great. Had my energy drink, so I'm like pumped and ready to go.
0: Fantastic. Well, we are so excited to have you to hear all about the University of Texas. So, Sam, let's get right to it. What is it about the University of Texas at Austin that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend?
1: Great. So I'm going to try to keep it short because I have a really bad tendency of (laughs) rambling on and on and on. it's really easy for me to to speak very well of the University of Texas at Austin. I I grew up in Austin, Texas. So like the university is a piece of me at this point. Uh, But I mean, what's not there? What is not to love about this university? It is a tier one research institution so if you're into research great university for that it is a d1 athletic school so if you're into watching good sports or even considering playing college sports this is a great place to be as well uh but but Also, we have great academics, right? So we've got 13 different colleges and schools that students can be a part of with 170 plus different fields of study to choose from, right? So we've got a little bit of everything. Uh, Now, a lot of times students will often ask me about our McComb School of Business, our Cockrell School of Engineering, those are probably the most popular programs that I get asked about, but everything across the board is a fantastic program. Our College of Liberal Arts is fantastic; has many, many programs to choose from—from from, you know English, government, uh, human dimensions of organizations. Uh, so on and so forth. Our College of Natural Sciences obviously is very popular for students who want to go into computer science or who want to go into the medical field. Um, I always love to talk about our Moody College of Communication as well, which is home to our number one journalism program, um, our radio, television, and film program, which, fun fact, uh, Matthew McConaughey Don't know if you've ever heard that name, but of course he's a Texas X. Yeah, he's a Texas uh, (laughs) X actor and and uh, a visiting professor within the radio, television, and film program. (laughs) So, uh, radio, television, and film students do have an opportunity to potentially be a part of his class, his script to screen class. So that, I mean. That's fantastic. Right. So, again, journalism, radio, television and film, um, it it doesn't end there. And I can go on and on about all the different programs that we have. But uh, Texas is just very, very highly sought out after not just here in Texas, but all across the United States. Everybody recognizes that we are a great university, not just in sports, but in academics as well. In Austin, Texas, right? That's a really, really big thing as well. And I guess I have a little bit of bias that since I grew up in Austin, that is my home city, but Austin, Texas is very quickly growing. And I think people are starting to realize the potential in this city. And so, I mean, if you're a freshman or, or a rising senior that is about to apply to be a freshman, four year, it, you attend the University of uh, Texas at Austin, in four years, there's going to be thousands and thousands more jobs, and Austin's going to look way different than it did those four years ago when you first attended the university. Now, I can speak from experience as somebody that grew up in Austin, the city looks way different than it was whenever I was a kid. So uh, if you wanna be a part of that you know, culture in Austin, um, this is also a fantastic place to be for that as well.
0: Well, I really appreciate that overview of things that you offer on campus and beyond. In fact, I read a statistic recently, Sam, that said that 96% of the freshman class actually returned, which truly, is an astonishing number and a testament to the great work that you and your colleagues do in admissions to, number one, get the right students for the University of Texas at Austin, but also all the programming that you offer on campus to keep them happy beyond just the freshman year. So again, 96% of the students returned, which leads me to my next question, Sam. How many applications do you review a year and do you represent a specific region?
1: Yeah. So we get roughly about 60,000 applications a year. Wow. Uh, it's a very popular university. So that's <laughs> definitely to no surprise, I'm sure. Um, and I, I do specifically represent a, a specific region. Um, so we actually, our, our, office is divided into multiple divisions, but of course, within the recruitment division, we also have, um, several offices across the state of Texas, right? So we've got, of course we've got our home base in central Texas, but we also have a, uh, we have a, Center in the Rio Grande Valley in McAllen, Texas. We've got one in Dallas, um, and we have one in Houston. And along with those centers, we have regional admissions counselors. So we've got uh, an admissions counselor out in El Paso. We've got one out in East Texas in Corpus Christi. Um, I'm probably missing a few, but we've got them everywhere. And of course, as for me, I'm actually located in San Antonio, Texas. So I'm one of three admissions counselors down here in San Antonio. We don't have a center yet, uh, but uh, I primarily serve the students in East San Antonio. Now, does that mean I only read applications from East San Antonio? No, not necessarily. Um, We do try to actually uh, send our applications or, or divvy up our applications when we read them. Um, to the specific centers because the admissions counselors in those centers and in those locations understand the needs and the situations of the students the best, right? So that's why we try to try to do our best to make sure that those applications go to people who actually know um, how their regions operate, right? So I will read uh, applications from all of San Antonio. I also do since I'm a part of the Central Texas team, technically, I also get applications from Austin as well. Um, But I mean, I'm very familiar with that area as well. Growing up there, I totally understand the needs and and situations out there as well. Um, But basically, everybody in the Office of Admissions has a role to play when it comes to reading applications. Because like I mentioned, 60,000 applications, uh, in order for us to get through all that, it's kind of it kind of has to be an all, all hands on deck
0: situation with our office. I could only imagine 60,000 applications. That's truly astonishing. And I was curious, Sam, do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript or do you recalculate using your own metrics? We
1: do, yeah. Uh, we use the the GPA that is already on the high school transcript uh, because we know that every single school operates differently. And that kind of plays into a little bit of, I'll probably talk about it a little bit later as well, but but we do a holistic review process. So since we know that every school does it differently, we just take a look. Uh, our, our counselors are trained to know, or not just our counselors, but all of our readers are trained to know how each GPA works and, and what they all mean. So we just read whatever's on the transcript and we, we know what that means in terms of of the student's academic readiness, if you will.
0: Understood, Sam. And what are the different ways a student could apply to the University of Texas at Austin? And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other?
1: Awesome. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I do want to mention that, and I think this is super important because this is different from other years. So we're now on the common application. That was not something that we did before. We were on the common app and we're on apply Texas. Um, We only have two methods of applying per se. Um, In other words, we call them deadlines. It's just deadlines, right? So we've got our November 1st deadline and we have our December 1st deadline. Uh, The November 1st deadline is known as a priority deadline. Um, And so All this does is it gives the student an opportunity to receive their admission decision a month earlier. However, it's not early action or early decision or anything like that. That means that it's not binding. So the student doesn't have to commit to UT Austin if they're admitted and they applied before November 1st. Um, And the student doesn't get an advantage in the review process either. It just simply means that they'll receive their admission decision a month earlier, um, no later than February 1st, because then everybody else will get their admission decisions no later than March 1st. Um, but in terms of like an advantage in the review process, it doesn't really give them an advantage. There's really no benefit. I always try to recommend students to aim for the November 1st deadline, not because it gives them an advantage, but because if they're able to finish earlier it's I think it's going to relieve them of some stress because I, I, I obviously I'm a procrastinator. We know that <laughs> students will sometimes, you know, be like, oh, I'll just, you know, put it off until December 1st. If you're aiming for that November 1st deadline, you have more of a chance to be closer to being done. Um, and if for whatever reason something just went missing, a transcript never made it to us, and you missed the November 1st deadline, you still have another month until December 1st to do that. So that's really the only benefit to it, that and of course receiving your admission decision a month earlier. Uh, UT Austin doesn't do rolling admissions either, so there's no benefit to you applying August 1st when our application opens up versus you applying on November 30th right before our final deadline.
0: Well, those are great pieces of advice. Thank you, Sam. And I know that the University of Texas at Austin is test optional, like many other schools around the country. Sam, can you share the percentage of students that apply and are ultimately admitted that did not submit their test scores? Many students and their parents believe test optional is actually a myth. So any insight (laughs) that you could provide would be greatly appreciated.
1: Yeah. So I definitely think it's on a very case-by-case basis. And unfortunately, I don't have the exact statistics in terms of how many students were admitted versus not admitted um, when it comes to submission of test scores. I can only speak on personal anecdotes with the students that I've talked to, right? So uh, obviously, many people know that we the language we use is that we suspended the test score requirement. So it's still absolutely you're able to do so, but it's not required for you to finish your application. Um, And I had many of students who chose not to do Do it. Um, I had a student from Pleasanton High School that let me know. It it was actually a handful of students. It wasn't just one, but it was a bunch of them that let me know. I actually didn't submit my test scores, and I got the major that I wanted, and I got into UT Austin. So it's definitely not a myth. um, Because another thing, again, just going back to that holistic review process thing that I mentioned earlier, we don't base our decisions on just one factor in the application right uh, yes academics are important and, and how well st- our students are prepared for that rigor at ut austin is important but there's a number of different other factors that can define a student right so we're, we're absolutely reading their essays we're looking at the extracurricular activities that they're involved in their volunteer work their employment things like that so all these different things are taken into consideration and so the the test score is just one Piece of it, right? That's not going to be the the make it or break it for them. Um, and we understand that some students just don't test well, right? Like that's just something that you know it, it it's not their forte. They do much better in a classroom and in projects or in discussion boards or whatever it may be. So we can't just make our decisions on the test, right? So I just to kind of try to dispel rumors and, and, and maybe hopefully put some parents at ease, know that test optional, at least for UT Austin, is definitely not necessarily a myth.
0: How important are students' courses in progress and grades in their senior year? And Sam, what are you looking for when you review these items?
1: Yeah, so for UT Austin, the grades technically aren't as important because we're actually only reviewing grades up until the junior year. Um, Now, yes, we do actually still look to see what the student is going to be taking senior year, um, but this is, I would say, has like not a huge, huge impact. We still look at it, right? Because we want to make sure that the student is still taking challenging coursework that. If they're able to, that they're taking coursework that applies to what they want to do, right? So if there's a student who um, is wanting to go into engineering, that they're taking the highest level math courses possible, whether that be their junior or senior year. But again, just to, to go back on that, just know that that we only review grades up until the junior year. Um, however, it is still very much important that a student does well their senior year um, and make sure that they're still on track, you know, to graduate and, and to do well, right? Because, you know, We want to make sure that you're still going to be successful at UT Austin.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And beyond. So Sam, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? And what advice would you share with prospective students in terms of what to think of when writing their college essay?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So keep in mind, I've been doing this for three years at this point and we get 60,000 applications and I, you know, I only read a, a small chunk of them compared to like whenever you you think of the overall. So I've read a lot of essays. <laughs> um, so I, I'll do my best to try to recall some of the ones that I've read. Um, you know, I think that to me. It's very easy. And this kind of goes hand in hand with, with the advice that I want to give as well. Um, to me, it's very easy to tell when a student's essay is is genuinely them. Right. Because this is one of the big pieces of advice that I always tell students be, whenever they're kind of stressing out about their essays is that that your friend, if for whatever reason you drop your essay, you you had a physical copy of your essay, you dropped it in the hallway, but you didn't put your name on it. If your friend finds your essay, they should be able to read it and be like, "That's so and so," and they should be able to bring it back to you, right? Don't don't try to make your essay to what others think or make you think that that universities want, right? Because a lot of times I, I'll see like discussion boards or I'll see uh, things online where they're like, "Universities want a sob story," so write a sob story, right? But, but, I mean, some students just don't have that. And that's okay. It's okay not to have that. Talk about your own experiences. Talk about what, what, how that has made you grow into a person. Um, I've seen, you know, some great essays where students are able to kind of, like, use their experiences and translate that into why they would be a good fit for their major, right? Because that's also an important part with UT Austin is that students are applying to their major. So they, they'll talk about their experiences in a way that tells us like, hey, this is how I've prepared for my major, even if it's something that's like completely unrelated, right? One of the examples I always tell students is like, if let's say you're somebody who's applying for nursing, but you your high school maybe didn't have health science classes, or maybe you figured out that you wanted to be a nurse by your senior year. So you didn't take any health science classes, or you didn't have the opportunity to intern. But let's say you were a waiter or a server at Chili's. How does that directly translate, right? Waiters and servers have to be quick on their feet. They have to be good communicators. They have to have good people skills. And all that stuff is valued within nursing. So sometimes it's not even so much about the experiences that they have, but how they present the information. And I've definitely seen some essays that are really good about presenting the information in a way to where they're showing that they would be a great person to consider for that particular major. So uh, again, just to reemphasize, just make sure that it sounds like you. Try to avoid using templates online um, and review your essays as well because I've definitely had those instances where students will copy and paste an essay from a different university and they forget to change the university. <laughs> and so, yeah, just be, be careful about that. That's definitely not going to disqualify you or anything like that, but
0: it You know, definitely be careful. Take take what you will. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those are great pieces of advice. And I really love the examples. Thank you so much, Sam. And also the teacher letters of recommendation, obviously another part of the application. Sam, what are you looking for in terms of helping to enhance an application from the teacher's letters? And if you could provide any examples of teacher letter of recommendations, that would be great as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, one thing I will say is that with UT Austin, teacher letters of recommendation or just letters of recommendation in general are optional. So students don't have to submit them. Um, However, what I will say with us is that we do allow recommendations to come from anyone that is not related to the student. So they can come from teachers or counselors. That's pretty much where, where a majority of them come from but they can come from a, a religious leader uh, your your boss at work it could come from your neighbor that you've babysat for so on and so forth right now the reason I mention this is because sometimes students will ask letters of recommendation from teachers who don't know very much about that student um, they may have only known them for a semester and the student is only or the teacher is only able to provide us with uh, information that either we already see on their transcript. Right. So or so they'll be like they're making this grade in this class and this grade in my class. Right. Uh, Or the teacher will also list off all of the organizations that the student is a part of. But that's something that we already see. In their resume, right? So if you're able to get a letter of recommendation from somebody, it should be from somebody that knows you beyond those things, right? They should be able to tell us a personal anecdote about your growth, um, whether that has been over the course of a year or several years, 10 years, whatever it may be, right? There's not one necessary like cookie cutter way to go about it. But again, that person should know you to the point where they could maybe even tell us a story about you or tell us how you've grown over the years. Um, But yeah, that I think is my main piece of advice is that it should just come from somebody who really, really
0: knows you. Well, those are great pieces of advice. And I love how you touched upon the fact that the overall application is really a marketing tool. So you want that letter, if it's going to be submitted, for them to give something new, something that is not easily found in other pieces, whether it be the transcript or the activity sheet or the student's essay themselves. And speaking of the activity sheet, of course, that's another piece of the application. What are the kinds of things that you're looking for beyond the work that the student did in a classroom?
1: Awesome. Yeah. So kind of going back again to that holistic review piece, we just always want students to keep in mind that there isn't like a cookie cutter way of getting into UT Austin. So we're not we don't have, like, a checklist of, like, okay, they were involved in this, this and this, right? Um, we understand that every student's situation is different. That's where holistic review comes in part, right, because sometimes students will be concerned. They're like, I didn't have this organization in my high school or my, you know, my high school isn't funded well, so we don't have those AP classes or dual credit classes. And we understand those things, and so if you share that information with us, just know that we We'll take that into consideration. Right. Uh, But when it comes to, you know, organizations, activities and things like that, we like to see things. Obviously, if a student is able to get involved in the things that are related to the major that they want to pursue. Right. So, for example, if it's a computer science student, maybe that they're in, you know, taking difficult math classes, that they're taking computer science courses, if they can, um, that they're involved in something like robotics. Right. Or that they've been to like a coding boot camp. Those are just some examples. Again, not saying that that is exactly what a student needs to do, but those are some things that can help. Right. Um, Another thing that we like to see is commitment. Um, What I mean by that is that uh, uh, sometimes the, the term quality over quantity really, really means a lot to us. A student can be involved in like 10 different organizations, right? But they're only dedicating like one hour a week to each organization because they don't have a lot of time. Uh, maybe they they haven't done much with this organization because they just don't really care about it. They're kind of just adding on to the number of organizations that they're a part of, Um and and they're just trying to boost their resume, but but it really doesn't do much because all that tells us is like, okay, you were you just went to the meetings, right? Versus if you were involved with two or three organizations, and you're like, oh, well, that's not a lot, yeah, but you were president of one of those organizations, you were treasurer of the other one, you were very heavily involved in in budgeting and and event planning with this organization, so on and so forth, right? So even those three organiza- two or three organizations, right? They were very heavily involved. And then that shows commitment, right? That shows that they're able to stay committed to one thing and and persist and, and that they really had a passion for that particular subject, right? Or that particular cause, whatever it may be with that organization. So we do really like to see those things. But again, just going back to that whole holistic review thing, just keep in mind that if you don't have access to certain things, that's okay. But you still have to try to take advantage of what you do have access to.
0: Well, that's great insight and great overall advice. We really appreciate it, Sam. And in conclusion, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give a student and their parents who are getting ready for the college admissions process?
1: Great. So this this is a tough one because, again, this is <laughs> one of those where well, I'll ramble on. But if if I had to keep it down to three, uh, number one, going back to that essay thing, be yourself, put your best foot forward, right? Right. Um, but but be yourself. Uh, don't don't try to to be somebody else. Don't compare your journey to another person's journey. Um, number number two, brag about yourself. This is the one time where where being self or not selfless, but, but humble, it's not going to help you very much, right? So uh, make sure that you're, you're really talking about your achievements. You're including everything in your resumes, in your essays, um, lay it all out on, on the table, right? Because if, if you don't include it in your resume, then we're not able to acknowledge it and see that you, you know, accomplished such a fantastic thing. Um, and number three, don't let the process, intimidate you into not doing it, right? So, uh, and this can be a number of different things because students will sometimes be like, I'm not good enough for this university or I can't afford this university, so on and so forth, right? What, first of all, apply because the answer is no if you don't apply, right? If you don't try, you have to at least try, see if you can get in, right? Now, then moving forward, affordability right? You don't know what your financial aid package is going to be whenever we release those. It could be that you get the funding that you need. Or then again, you have opportunities to apply to things outside of, you know, UT Austin scholarship opportunities. So don't let f- the, the fear of failure deter you from attempting to pursue your dreams. So those are my three pieces of advice. <laughs>
0: Well, those are tremendous pieces of advice and great insight. Sam, I am so thankful that you were here with us today, and I'm so happy because I know it's going to help so many students and their parents through this process. We really appreciate your time today, and I hope to have you back again soon. Awesome. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, John. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much, Sam.